Are you craving some protein after a good workout? We all are. Don't make a shake or eat a bar. Grab a bag of beef jerky from Old Trapper. Wild Trapper, because Old Trapper beef jerky is tasty, it's tender, it's made from real strips of steak and quality spices that are smoked over a wood fire. Old Trapper is a family-owned business that takes smoked beef very seriously. You can taste it in every single bite. I mean, who wants dried, tough beef in a bag? Nobody. It's like eating a shoe. Old Trapper is the real deal, and it comes in four amazing flavors— Old-fashioned is sweetened with a touch of brown sugar goodness, teriyaki, peppered, and hot and spicy for those of you who like to take things up a notch. Next time you want to grab some great protein and an energy snack that you can have anytime, anywhere, grab some Old Trapper beef jerky. Look for Old Trapper in the Clearview bag. You can see the quality that you're buying. Look for it in major retail stores near you. Clones, if you do not see it, Ask for it by name because no other jerky compares. Old Trapper, what's your beef? I also at that time had worked with enough players where I realized I was better at explaining it than doing it. He can't explain it very good. He's not a very good coach. I can explain it better than I can do it. And it's a bummer because there's more money in doing it than there is in explaining it. But uh, but there's, there's as much purpose in it. Cracking. What's going on, everybody? This is Jim Rome, and welcome to yet another edition of the ever-growing phenomenon that is the Jim Rome Podcast. Today is episode 94. I am hyped for this one. It is an unbelievable time in the NFL, given the number of young stud quarterbacks, and we will be joined by a guy who is responsible for coaching a number of them up, Jordan Palmer. He tore it up in college at UTEP. He went on to play several years in the NFL. He is currently an NFL analyst, but he continues to make his mark working with and preparing the best of the best to play in the NFL. He's worked with the likes of Sam Darnold, Josh Allen, Deshaun Watson, Watson, as well as a number of 2019 draftees. He is one of the most interesting people in this business, and he has got insight and intel that you cannot get anywhere else, but you're going to get it right here as Ep94 begins right now with Jordan Palmer. All right, Jordan, so before you and I get and talk about some of the guys that you've worked with previously, some of the work you've done in the NFL, you rolled in here and you had a really, really big day yesterday. Before we talk about NFL, why would you consider today day one? What exactly is going on in your life right now? Well, for me, it's a, it's a big uh, transition. You know, I, I got a chance to play football for a long time. Um, some would argue longer than I deserve to. Um, and, and then I have been coaching. So I, I really started coaching in college, working with quarterbacks. Realized once I got to the NFL that I actually loved coaching and explaining football to people more than I loved football, mm. which is a weird paradox, right? That is. Uh, and, and I was able to kind of parlay it. So I was coaching high school kids and then I'd have college guys when I was playing for the bears, I was talking at the rookie symposium to some rookies and they were telling me how hard their off season was. And I was like, this shouldn't be that hard mentally. Would you do January, February, March? And these guys were like, you know, we got stronger and faster. <laughs> I was like, that doesn't matter. What did you learn? And uh, I was like, man, next year I'm training somebody for the draft. So my last two years in, in uh, Chicago, I did that. I trained Blake Bortles. He was the first guy I trained for the draft. So I've been doing all that stuff. But uh, the, I've been living a double life. And I, I've been in the marketing side of things. I started, uh, uh, we with my partner started a company called Kalo, which is the, if you've ever seen somebody wear a rubber ring. I started that it. about six years ago from Steph and LeBron to a whole lot of others. And um, sold a you know a million or two rings. It's crazy. And um, 
and then uh, ran a digital marketing agency um, with my partners the last few years until la yesterday. And there's a hundred people work there. And, and yesterday was really my last day there. I put in my notice a year ago to go chase my dream, which is coach more guys, pour into more guys. And uh, during the season, talk more ball. And uh, so here I am. Jordan, how many employees did you have? Uh, I mean, in total, because there's a couple different entities and stuff like that, over two different 200 uh, folks. But the crazy thing is the amount of, when you start employing parents that could have kids, that's when, you know, in your 20s, that was, it was heavy. But, um, but yeah, it was amazing. I had a bunch of, I started this with my high school buddy, my receiver. And, uh, and so it's been an epic run, all this life experience and stuff. And we've all grown up and got married and had kids and stuff. But yesterday was my last day. Last day I kind of said goodbye to everybody. And, and today's the first uh, day one. So what's it like to be a freaking tycoon? Uh, I don't know about tycoon, but uh, it's it's fun being busy and and uh, and bringing purpose to a bunch of different things, which hey, is what I've had a chance dude, to listen, do. Listen, you created a lot of things, a lot of opportunities, a lot of opportunities for a lot of different people. What was yesterday like? Your last day in that part of your life? What was that like? Well, it was heavy. I, I think you know we at the agency it's called Common Thread Collective, and um, we scale online revenue for brands, so help help people sell things off their website from big household name brands on down. And uh, gratitude is a big, big piece of that. I also work with Lululemon. I'm an ambassador for Lululemon. So gratitude is not just a cheesy word that you say when you're doing yoga. It's actually like a, a big piece of uh, of the people that, that in my community for sure. And so that was a big thing that I felt yesterday. Uh, bittersweet for sure. Uh, but I feel like I'm, I'm stepping into my, my purpose and, and that's to pour into these young guys, whether that's sixth grade quarterbacks or Sam Darnold and Josh Allen, anywhere in between. And so uh, that's where a lot of the confidence comes. You know, I'm going to ask about those guys, but you mentioned that you like playing the game, obviously. You love playing the game. And you grew up, and Carson Palmer is your older brother. You saw him. You followed him into the NFL. But there was something that kind of clicked for you, right? Like you like teaching the game more than you like playing the game. When did you first realize that? Well, I think when I was a kid, so Carson's four and a half years older than me because we just missed each other in high school. Growing up in Orange County, where we're at right now, and Carson went to Santa Margarita High School. I was in eighth grade when he was a senior. He was the, whatever, top recruit in the country or whatever. Um, that shadow was heavy. Yeah. When you're in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. That shadow was heavy. And so I was trying to become as good as him and didn't have any context for anything, right? And then once I got to my senior year in high school and I had a different path, you know, he was the number one recruit in the country. I had one offer. Um, you know, he was the number one pick. I was a six-round pick, got cut. Once I kind of got through college and I had been working out with him and working out with other people, I realized that he wasn't good, that he was actually way better than everybody else's age. Huh. So for me, I was just trying to be as good as somebody that I thought was good. But once he started balling at SC and then was like won the Heisman and was like the number one pick, I realized I was chasing a ghost. And I also at that time had worked with enough players where I realized I was better at explaining it than doing it. He's bettering at doing it. He can't explain it very good. He's not a very good coach. I can explain it better than I can do it. Um, and it's a bummer because there's more money in doing it than there is in explaining it. But, uh, but there's, there's as much purpose in it. That is so good. But, but I think that you are really unique in the way that you explain it and the way you communicate it. Like when you're a kid growing up and you're trying to make some sense of it, like you said, there's really no context. Like this guy is so good and I'm trying so hard. Why can't I be that guy? So when you have a, a shadow and a ghost that you're chasing, when you're a kid growing up, was there any of like, why him? Why not me? What's going on here? Were there a lot of whys at that point? Uh, I, I would say maybe early on, I don't remember some specific time, but I, I do know this. Everybody in my family realized that he, he had he had something different than the other boys his age. Uh, I, he was he was perfect for doing that. Even just being an internal processor. I, I explain like this, like 
even the things that you'd complain about him, right, were like things that were perfect for that, sure. being a quarterback, exactly. right? Like, oh, he never tells us what he's thinking. Well, yeah, well, that's like the perfect ingredient <laughs> for being a franchise quarterback, right? Right. So he was just built to do that, right? And, and I think once I got through high school and early college, when I realized that, I was no longer chasing that, and I shifted to try and become the best version of myself, and immediately I was happier and more content. As soon as you figure that out, and after all, that's what we're all chasing, to be the best version of ourselves. How different and how better prepared are quarterbacks entering the NFL right now than when Carson or even you yourself went in? Yeah, it's completely different. Uh when I was in high school, so I graduated high school in 2002. I'm 35. And uh, I can remember at Mission Viejo High School, played for Bob Johnson, Rob Johnson's dad, legendary high school coach, all that stuff. We Big-time program. Uh, we were, you know, arguably the best team in the country my senior year. We played in two seven-on-seven tournaments, the Mission Viejo Diablos. Two. Two, okay? So we had one in the beginning and one at the end of whatever. Uh, nowadays, kids are on. 2.2 from the stat that I heard average kids on 2.2 different seven on seven teams in addition to his high school. Mm. Okay. Mm. So it's a booming industry. Uh, uh, it's a big market brands activate their brands have built off of the back of seven on seven, right? This is no longer just like Nike and Under Armour competing away here. And what that does is that gets guys more high quality reps at a younger age. My camps are, it's called QB Summit. We, we go all off season and I have from sixth graders to, to, to 12th graders. Then I bring in three to five of the top college quarterbacks and then usually one or two of my NFL guys come. So literally sixth grade to NFL. Huh. And, uh, and these sixth, seventh and eighth graders, these guys are on multiple seven on seven teams. They know a lot. They, somebody has taught them how to do coverages and, and where people go. Um, they understand footwork. They understand how to fix things. When I was coming out of high school, it was just a different deal. And if you look at it, how that translates down the road. So Carson is the number one pick in the draft, okay? And his rookie year, he plays zero snaps. <laughs> Healthy scratch. Right. Third string behind Doug Johnson, okay? Because he needs that time to watch. Because he learn. wasn't ready. Right. Air quotes here. He wasn't ready. Second round picks are expected to start now, mm. right? And so just that transformation of guys playing earlier in high school, guys playing – Orange Lutheran, Carson Conklin's going to be the starting as a freshman. And JT Daniels started at Modern Day as a freshman in high school. It's happening earlier there. College, look around. Some of the best teams in the country, Auburn, I think North Carolina is going to be really good. Clemson last year are led by true freshmen. And rookies, we had three start last year. Yep. Right? Who knows this year? So it's, it's expediting the process of these guys being ready to play. And that's why you see this gap in the NFL. 35 and older, handful of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 25 and younger, the rest of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. 25 to 35, I'm not buying any of them. Ah, interesting. You mentioned JT Daniels. I mean, really sad to see what happened to him. But not only was he starting there soon, I mean, he was in a rush to get out of high school to get to USC to check in early. He skipped and his entire senior year. He did. He did. You know, you mentioned, I'm glad you mentioned Mission Viejo. I had William McGinnis on the other day of the radio program. My wife went to Long Beach Poly, so I'm constantly getting that message. Everybody Poly, Poly, went Poly. to Long Beach Poly. Right? Yeah. My point. And, and I love Polly and I love the tradition, but I love Mission Viejo because I'm a big, I'm Rob Johnson's my guy, and his dad is a legend. You play there. I want, to give, I want you to give some shine to Mission Viejo because we always hear about Polly in this area in modern day. What about Mission Viejo? What was your high school experience like? Uh, it was incredible. I mean, for me, I went to Santa Margarita my freshman year. The only reason I left was Bob Johnson got the head coaching job at Mission, and my dad said to me, he said, do you want to throw with him on the weekends or do you want to throw with him Monday through Friday? <laughs> right. 
um, I met my wife and my business partner there like about three weeks in. So uh, I got two kids. And so for me, it was a life-changing forget football. It was an incredible experience. But, uh, but yeah, it was awesome. But the reality is there's, there's a bunch of amazing schools now um, that built awesome programs. When I was in high school, San Clemente High School was terrible, you know, at football. Um, they're a powerhouse now. You know, they put Sam, they put a lot of guys out. And that coach, you know, Jaime Ortiz is doing an amazing job. There's a bunch of – Jay Serra didn't exist when I was – that. now they're, you know – going to be competing here these next couple of years for the best team in the Trinity League, which is arguably the best high school football in the country. So Southern California is is ripe with high school talent. And that's why it's been a bummer to watch SC and UCLA not succeed because high school football in Southern California, I think, has never been better. And college football in Southern California is, is in a challenging time. So what do you think when you look at those two programs right now? You know, I think it's difficult um, because you got two qualified coaches. I mean, Chip Kelly, I mean, he's been there, done it at multiple levels here, right? Um, and Clay, you know, helped the team lead, led them to a Rose Bowl not that long ago. Um, but I think what it is is, and this is going back to what's changed too, it's social media. So let's go back to Carson, okay? So when Carson was being recruited, my living room had millions of letters in them addressed to him, not me. And, uh, and the media guys, right? The big thick books that had all the information about every school in the country. So if Carson wanted to learn about, I'll make up a team, Tennessee, right? Or Georgia. All he had was a media guide, handwritten letters, a couple of phone calls, and he'd have to use one of his five trips, right? Recruiting trips of which you're missing basketball games. Mm, right. Most guys don't take all their trips. Nowadays, you know exactly what Clemson University is like, because if you follow on social and all your buddies and this and that, whatever, you can pretty much paint the picture of what things look like. So I think people were able to, SC and UCLA were able to keep kids here because it was all they knew. And the reality is, is they know a lot more now. And you got more awesome programs. Texas is back. A&M's in the SEC. Clemson's a great place to go to. Like, there's just so many great programs across the country that it is really difficult to recruit to USC and UCLA, I think. Hmm. All right, so you look around the NFL right now. Andrew Luck, it, did you have any inkling that he was struggling as much as he was physically and emotionally? And then what was your reaction when you saw or heard that he was retiring? Yeah, I, I, so I, I haven't crossed paths with him too much. I don't have any any inside information about a conversation that we had or anything. Um, you know, I think all these guys are struggling. I, I just think it's it's like interview a rock star, interview a movie star. Life's not perfect. Right. <laughs> this is hard. Um, my reaction to Andrew retiring has been I, a lot of people retire with gas less in the tank. Carson was making whatever he was making. He totally could have played another year or two. It wasn't like Arizona wouldn't have had him back, right? Gronk, you can make the argument, he probably could play another year if he wanted to. I think you can look around across the board and find guys who could have played another year or two. Now, Andrew's 29. It's Andrew Luck. He is peaking. People are picking them to win. So it's crazy that it's Andrew Luck, and it's crazy that he's 29. But he is not the first person to go, you know what? I'm not finding joy in this. I'm hurt more than I'm happy. And this is not what I'm interested in doing anymore. And I've got a ton of money and options. You know, it's extremely well said. And one more thought about that. So when people do not know what it's like to be that guy, people are not walking in those shoes. We have no idea what it's like to walk on that field for one, one down, much less one series or one season. Yet, because of the world being set up the way it is, you got people questioning this guy's desire, questioning this guy's toughness, questioning this guy's willingness to rehab or do the work. Jordan, people saying he flat out quit. You've heard all these things. What do you think when you hear these things? How does that make you feel? 
I just think fans, they have so much access, right? You get to listen to this podcast. They get to comment however they want to comment. People have no idea, right? I can remember when Tiger Woods thing went down. Everyone goes, man, I would never do that if I were Tiger Woods. Yeah, but you're not Tiger Woods, and you don't have a clue what his life is like, right? Now, extreme example, but because you watch a athlete on TV and you follow him or her on social media and you read the reports on him or her, does not give you a vantage point over what they're actually going through. Mental health is a huge issue in this country at every single level, from homelessness to Andrew Luck <laughs> and everything in between. And it's the one thing you can't look at and see where somebody's doing. If I walked in here and you were on crutches and your leg was swollen, you would I know you'd look banged up. You look like you hurt your knee, right? Like that's the side you can't see. And and so when athletes do this and you know for whatever reason when they cut it short of what everyone thought that they should the reality is that people don't realize what's going on right and i just think andrew luck look his track record when he talks like i believe him i think all the way through you know like from college and he's just one of those guys where when he talks i listen and i believe what he has to say i think he has zero bs in him so for fans to say that he quit it's like yeah, he quit or he ended his career early. However you want to put it, he's doing what he's doing and he's not really concerned with what you think. Yeah, he retired. He, he retired. retired is what he did. He retired. He didn't quit on his teammates. He didn't quit on the organization. He didn't quit on the fan base. Man, this guy did everything he possibly could. He missed an entire year and he came back and he had a career year. The guy did everything he could. Yeah. He retired. He yeah. went out on his own terms. Yeah. And and when when people question like toughness on anybody, that's just like Okay. Well, I, Go ahead. That, speak to that opinion. for a minute. What do you think about that? Yeah, I, I just it's the, you cannot evaluate it, right? We it's easy to evaluate like heroic moments, right? Like we're sitting in here and there's some highlights of the Lakers. So I Kobe making the free throw with the Achilles, there, like that. Those things stick out to me. You know, Byron Leftwich in college being carried down the field and then throwing a touchdown. Like totally. we think of these like random heroic moments, but what you don't know is what's going on when people don't you know who you are when no one's looking like i just i've been around it man i know these guys deal with a lot um every year and this stat may be off i i say this line all the time i think it's true but gq magazine does a poll every year most desirable jobs in america amongst men and nfl quarterbacks always number one right right so whatever that poll means to you people would love to be do this cool if you're starter they'd love to do it because you make a ton of money if you were like me and a backup you can make the argument it's easy money, right? And but people have of all the all of sports, I think people have the least exposure to what actually goes into it. It's twelve months out of the year. It's all day. It's everything that you have. And when you start to lose percentages of that, it's dangerous. You can get really, really hurt. And guys actually factor that in. A fan who's on three has three different fantasy leagues and has two hundred fifty bucks on the game this weekend. They just don't have. A, they're not wrong. They're just not exposed to that side of it, and that's where the gap is. So, what do you mean they factor it in? How how do they factor it in? How does that impact them? What happens then? How does the athlete factor it in? Yeah. Well, I, I just think it's cumulative, right? So there's the physical toll. So when I train quarterbacks, I try and do it fill up three buckets. Okay, physical, mental, and emotional. Right, sixth grade or older guys. Okay, so on the physical side, there's things that go into that. The mental side, there's things that I can help them with, but it's the emotional side where I spend probably half my time. Hmm. Okay. How do you lead? How do you deal with the inevitability of these two things that will strike you no matter what? Success and adversity. And there's levels to both. Which is worse for a young quarterback? They're both dangerous. 
So success and adversity, let's just talk about this for a sec. Success and adversity individually can bring you down, can ruin somebody, right? right? Killed people, right? Too much success, too much adversity. And there's certain people where you go, man, I know how this person handles adversity. It's interested to see how they handle success. Uh -huh. I'd say Baker Mayfield. I know how he handles adversity. It's been a walk on two different schools, Heisman finalists three times. Okay. I know how he handles adversity. He's proven track record of handling it in a legendary fashion. I'm interested to see what success does to him. Real, you know, he's won a Heisman. He's been the number one pick, but now I'm interested to see if they go 14 and two, what that does. Mm -hmm. Cool. Adversity. You know, or I'm sorry, on the success side, I, I know how JT Daniels, one of the most prolific high school athletes of all time, Gatorade male athlete of the year, his junior year, skipped his senior year to go to USC. Last year, they were five and seven, and he just tore his ACL. I'm excited to see how he handles adversity. I know how he handles success. He handles it really well, right? So then you look at like the Brady's, who has won Super Bowls and come back and won another one and has also lost all of his offensive weapons and then gotten right back the next year. He knows both of them really well. So that's me, that, that, how they lead, what you do with your platform. That's where I spend about half my time because that's what I think these guys need. Hmm. And you look at Andrew Luck, the physical things are breaking down, but when he talked about it, it's the mental and emotional fatigue and wear and tear and all of that. And I think when you talk to a lot of these guys who are retiring with more gas in the tank, the physical thing led to the the other two deteriorating, the mental and the emotional side. I think it's all really interesting. I could follow you up on any of that stuff, but you know, it's such a next man up league and Jacoby resets the next one up. Now nobody thinks that this guy's Andrew Luck, but then Jordan, he doesn't have to be Andrew Luck. We know this. Is he good enough though to win the South? Is he good enough to take them on a deep run in the postseason? I'm a big Jacoby Brissett believer. I, and I, I made this comment before. I don't think it's so much about comparing him into Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck, you can make the argument, is like a there's been one or two or three coming out of college, right? Like Andrew Luck. Side side injuries. He's his own thing. Okay. But the person I think you can compare him to is uh Jimmy Garoppolo. Because they're in the same spot. Jimmy got traded, Jimmy got paid immediately, yet to be determined, right? ACL last year, bummer deal. But Jacoby, talking to other guys around the league, guys who were playing quarterback in the NFL and the Colts offense is showing up on their tape of who they're scouting and going, Hey dude, have you ever worked with this guy? Like consistently across the board, people going, oh, there's a lot of believers in Jacoby Brissett and started with Parcells is the whole story, right? He's the one who put it on Belichick's radar from what I understand. Um, but there's a lot of believers in new England when he left. And I think that there's a locker room in Indianapolis right now. Who's going like, Pump the brakes. I'm I'm grieving this whole Andrew Luck thing, but like pump the brakes here. Like we're this good. Guy can play. We're good, right? And I think the Colts believe that too. So I, I'm not interested in comparing him to Andrew Luck. I think he's a once in a generational thing. Um, but I think Jacoby Brissett can win it, and I think it's a two horse race with them in Houston. And it's going to be interesting because they have weapons, and that offensive line is the the key. I think that's you can make the argument. It's hard with stats, but like Indy's got one of the best, if not the best, offensive lines in the NFL right now. Right. I mean, stepping into this this type of situation, I want speed at wideout. I want a reliable tight end. I want a back in the backfield, and I want a line to protect me. And they got all those things. And it's so different than it was in 2017 when he went in there and he went yeah. four and eleven. It's a much better situation. You mentioned Garoppolo. Now he's coming off that injury, of course. Do you think this guy's going to develop into the franchise quarterback that the Niners thought they were getting when they traded for him? Are you sold on him? 
You know, I think there's kind of two there's two types of quarterbacks when you're talking about either when you're talking about paying guys, whether you're drafting them them high or you're giving them a big deal. It's is this guy going to do it in spite of everything around him? And there's a couple guys that do that. I think Aaron Rodgers does it, right? Regardless of what's happening around him, he'll just do it, right? And there's a, there's a, there's a couple of guys on that list. And then there's guys that can do the if the if the offense and the people and the personnel and the play calling and the scheme is right, this guy can do all those things. Either way, the goal is to reach your potential as an offense. There's just two ways to get there. I would say Jimmy's the second part of that, right? I think Goff just got paid. I was today. just going to ask you that. He's Goff just got paid. Is he yeah. the first or the second? I think he's the second, right? And and it's not a knock, right? By the way, this is not a knock, but I think Brady's the second. You do. I don't think you put Brady in any situation, any balls. I think. All we have is the context for him playing with this coach. This is, you know, 20 something year in this offense, right? 19th, whatever it is, year in this offense. Like, I don't know that you can throw him in some disastrous situation and he wills his way to win. I, I think a lot because of it is. Because we've time, never seen it. We've we never seen it. Never seen it. And I think so much of that coordinator and the coordinators he's had. And I think so much of, of Sean McVay. That's why I would say that. And I think so much of Kyle Shanahan. So I don't know that they couldn't go and make it happen elsewhere. But there's a very short list of the first group. Russell right. Wilson can figure out a way to just will it and make it happen. And a lot of it, too, has to do with mobility. Can they run around and make it happen? So there's a, there's a short list of those guys. But I, I think so much of what Shanahan does um, and the free agent moves that they made. Th- that is so interesting. So if, if Rodgers and Wilson are in that first group, who else is? And we're talking about time and space, right? You're I'd have to think this. about it. Andrew time Luck and would have been one of them. Uh-huh. Creating time and space, right? I think Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes are there. It's hard to evaluate Patrick Mahomes because I think he's got arguably the best play caller in the league too, right? I think Carson Wentz is a player who can. That's that's my my pick for MVP this year. How come? Um, you I, play caller has such a big underrated component when it comes to predicting success out of people. And Doug Peterson has proven that when he's calling plays, the guy's either on an MVP pace or he's Super Bowl MVP. Sign up and be an O Rewards member today and earn one point for every dollar spent. Receive your rewards twice as fast and on the go when you provide your email address. O Rewards members get five bucks back for every 150 they spend. It's fast, it's easy, it's free. It's only at O'Reilly Auto Parts. See the store or orewards.com for details. O'Reilly Auto Parts, better parts, better prices every day. Right, so you mentioned Watson. What were you thinking when you saw what the Texans did this past weekend? And maybe more importantly, what do you think Deshaun Watson was thinking as he saw that whole thing play out? Well, I, I mean, I think it's it's a huge step that needed to be addressed. You can make the argument whether it was um, Brown, I'm trying to forget his first name, whatever, Brown, you know, about a year or two ago when they could have paid him or if it's um, or if it's uh, uh, Collins, right? Yep. Yeah, this, uh, this week, but... It's a big thing. You got to address that. Deshaun is so cerebral. He's so smart. He can process information so quickly. If you can not put all of the protection responsibilities on him because individual matchups are are a problem, um, then you're giving him more opportunity to make better decisions post snap. And so, I love that move. Um, adding backs to that backfield is a bummer to see Lamar Miller get hurt because I think a lot of him. Um, but adding adding you know backs to the to the backfield I think was huge. And, uh, and I think Deshaun, you know, with Andrew Luck retiring and all that, I don't think it changes anything for those guys. They think, they're, they think that they should win that division. Um, but it certainly, 
lightens the load, I think. Hey, listen, the thing about him, and yeah, I would argue that he's as tough as any guy you're ever going to see, but I would have made the same argument about Andrew Luck, and look what happened to him. Are you at all concerned about the pounding Deshaun Watson's taken the last couple of years? 100%. Yeah, yeah. I'm concerned with the pounding that all these guys take. Um, it's not it's not the big hit that is the hit that ruins things. It's the little things that you can't tell, and you can't tell from watching, you know? And so um, Deshaun, I mean, pound for pound, man. I mean, he's not a big guy. No. Right? He's he's a his physical comp in the league is is uh, Alex Smith. You know he's a average NFL quarterback size, even slighter. Now he's incredibly strong, wiry, strong, um, and you just I just think of that Bama game in the national championship that last year, just getting absolutely smoked and popping up before the guy that hit him every time. Right. And so his toughness is it's it's on a different level. So I'm not concerned about the hits from a toughness standpoint. Just concerned about year 13, 14, 15, 16 um, for a guy that takes as good a care of his body as he does and thinks about the, the game the way that he does. I, I'm more worried about it that on the back end because, again, I just went through this with my brother. You know, I backed him up in his prime and had conversations with him the last couple of years, and things don't heal that fast. And that's so, a concern. So what was that like backing your brother up? Like you said, he's not somebody – he was not always going to communicate exactly what was on his mind. Like what was that dynamic like when you were backing him up? Was he curious – about what you had to say and picking your brain, or was he like, hey, little bro, I got this, all right? No, it was cool. I think we did a really good job in Cincinnati. So we were there a couple of years. Um, we did a really good job of separating it, and so it wasn't big bro, little bro. Um, I went out of my way to be helpful and resourceful. And um, It's business. When I was right, the more I was right, the more he'd listen. And, <laughs> it, you know, I think that's true of every backup quarterback. If you're going to say, hey, I got a great idea, and it's a bad one, you're not going to be – you're not going to be, you know, inquired like anything about. else. Yeah. And so uh, I, I now from a business perspective, like we talked about in the beginning, it really is almost like an employer-employee relationship where I want to try and be as supportive to help you do your job as good as possible because it's good for me, right? The better you do. Sure. impact on me. So it's similar to from a business structure. Uh, and I was a good, you know, I was a good, good backup. I think I helped him a bunch and uh, learned more than I, than I, than I uh, was able to help him. But also it was a cool phase of life. You know, you got like, pregnant and had twins and you know life-changing stuff and signed a big deal and so aside from the football stuff it was a total blast there's no way to recreate Did something it, that i don't think will ever happen again i mean you mentioned exactly i was gonna say you mentioned gratitude it probably seemed like normal like this is just the way this is he's always been great i knew i'd mount to something myself but if you step back and you look at that for a minute i mean you two guys you backing him up you both being in the nfl you both making the nfl mm -hmm. having the careers you both had i mean it's amazing like, I don't right. know how you could possibly have perspective of something while you're in the middle of it. Let me just say this. Bill's Mafia would be listening right now saying, dude, are you going to ask him or not about Josh Allen? Hmm. Yes, I'm going to. You've worked closely with him. Let me ask you this. How different is he going to look from year one to year two? And what did you work with him on in the offseason? Well, I think you're going to see a, a big a big step. You know, he didn't get a full 16 games last year. Um, the thing that nobody talks about is all these rookies across the board, Baker, Sam, Josh, Lamar, Deshaun, Mahomes, a little different, but none of them are their rookie year are getting all the reps. Right. That's what's unique about this Kyler Murray situation. He just got an entire offseason with reps with the ones. I have I don't remember the last time I saw that. Hmm. Sam Darnold wasn't the starter until week whatever, you know, until the week of right. the season. He's competing and Deshaun wasn't the starter until halftime of week one. Right. And so the the last offseason, 12 months ago, this time for Josh Allen, he was not nearly as prepared and comfortable and ready as he is right now. And, and it's second year in the system. And so with Josh getting an entire offseason of all the reps, 
Now, the biggest thing uh, that he had to work on was, and it's it's a it comes from how strong his arm is, is uh, his need to develop touch and anticipation. Mm. He has the strongest arm I've ever seen. Played Period. With, played with Carson in his prime, played with Cutler, played with Blaine Gabbert, who has a hose. Um, grew up with Jamarcus. Um, Josh, Aaron, Josh, Aaron Rodgers strong, played, Matt Stafford played, strong. I think it's the strongest arm I've ever seen. Period. Period. Um, I don't know how you score it. I don't know. I'm not sure what the miles per hour is on it, but I haven't seen anything like it. And so you can rely on that, right? People, Cam Newton is a, is accused of that, and some of these big arm guys, Leftwich was accused of that, right? Of waiting and throwing it really hard. Vic, even uh, Stafford, I think the first part of his career was was accused of that. Uh, and so, it, you, as a quarterback, you have to be able to control the ball. Sometimes that means controlling it by throwing it really hard, but the majority of it, it's layering it, it's touch, and it's controlling the ball to to create separation with the accuracy, not just with the receiver's route. So that was a big point of emphasis for Josh this off season. Um, did it some interesting ways. The other benefit of it, though, is, you know, he had Matt Barkley um, backing him up. And so you just think about when Josh is not in and Matt Barkley's in. Nothing does, against the kid, excuse me. Nobody ever accused him of having the strongest arm ever. No, no, but he's built an awesome career you bet. by throwing with touch and anticipation. Uh-huh. And so just even playing catch, even sitting and watching his reps, seeing the way that he just completed that dig and you maybe just didn't complete that dig, um, those things just compound. He also has Ken Dorsey as a quarterback coach. Also, unbelievably prolific college quarterback. Yeah, right? Had an NFL career. No, same thing. Not a, didn't do that because of his arm talent. And so Josh has all the pieces around him. We spent a lot of time this offseason developing it as well. Um, where I think that's going to be the biggest step is you're going to see him throw people open, control the ball, but he still will rush for 150 yards if you don't contain him in the pocket uh-huh you mentioned Kyler Murray hi what a huge swing that was by Arizona I'm like I'm not sure that's going to work out or not I just know that I love it I mean what an enormous swing to do what they did to admit they made a mistake the year before how do you think he projects how do you think he's going to do in the NFL I think it's going to be exciting um super hard to predict I mean I feel like a fan who has no idea what he's talking about right now trying to talk about what I think it's going to happen you. with the Arizona Cardinals uh-huh. you know um, I like their personnel for what they're trying to do. Now, I don't know what they're trying to do either because I, I, I know a lot about what Cliff did at Texas Tech, but he's not cookie cutter picking that up and putting it down there. He's too smart of a guy. I'm sure he's added things. He's learned a lot. I know he's an investigative guy trying to understand what everybody's doing. Super, super cerebral. Um, and and so I, I know they're going to spread it around. I know they're going to throw it a ton. Um, I think if you were to make a list of best receiving running backs in the NFL – people who know what they're talking about david johnson's at the top of that list or second or third so i'm excited to see the way they use him he, he's great between the tackles but when carson was playing with him i mean they'd line him up and he'd run a curl on richard sherman <laughs> i mean it's crazy this is a this is a dynamic pass catcher right not a running back with good hands that's a big difference sure and so i'm excited to see the way they use him larry is a chameleon and can can find a way to get 100 yards in any system. I'm excited to see the way that they use him. I watched him go outside into the slot with Bruce Arians, block, you know, carry the briefcase, selling routes to get somebody else open. He's just so selfless. I'm excited to see him play in this. And then adding Crabtree. Um, and uh, I just think there's a couple different pieces there uh, that I like. And I think they're going to be fun to watch. I think it's going to be hard. I think they're playing the Rams. They're playing the Seahawks. They're playing the Niners. I think it's going to be tough for them to win a lot of games, but I think they're going to be exciting uh, and explosive on offense and be fun to watch. All right, I'm going to pick my spots before I let you go, but let me ask you about 
Josh Rosen. Look, we, could, we all got to play the hand we're dealt, right? But could this guy have been dealt in any crappier hand than he's been dealt? And it seems kind of crazy to ask, but what does his NFL future look like to you? Gosh, I don't know. Um, because I think he can play. I mean, he's physically very talented, very, very smart guy. In an impossible situation last year to have success. Right. right? Um, and handled it pretty well, right? I think so. Given what it was. I think so. Um, I mean, we used to talk about first-round picks having short leases because they only get three years. Right, right. I mean, this guy's crazy. And now what? One year. One year. Traded. It's crazy. Like, how how short can a leash get? Right? Like, yeah, that, that's, some, that, that's like just grabbing crazy. the back of the dog's neck. Crazy. <laughs> There's no leash, right. right? Well, the coach, too. Totally. Every, yeah. So, um, so I don't know. I, I know this, though, is like... It, like they named Ryan the starter, right? Fitzpatrick. Yes. Right. I, I think that has more to do with Ryan Fitzpatrick being better than people think than Josh Rosen not being very good. Mm-hmm. I played with Ryan too. He's not a good guy to compete against. He knows everything. <laughs> he's one of the, he's the coolest guy in the locker room. Everybody loves Fitzy. He's hysterical. He's also an unbelievable guy. He's got like six kids and you know met his wife. Played she played soccer at Harvard. Like. He's, he's kind of bulletproof across the board. He's a hard guy to compete. I, I competed against him and lost a job. He's a hard guy to compete against. He's cool. He's good. And he's, he's a, a way above average athlete. He'll figure out a way to get a first down. And he's learned like seven or eight systems. Smart, man. He's, he's like the, has the Wonderlick record, but he's also learned seven or eight systems. Right. And I made a comment earlier and I got a little flack for it, but I had said like for the first time in Josh Rosen's career, he's not the smartest guy in the room. Sure. It's not a knock on him. It's not a rap on him. The dumbest guy at NASA is smarter than anybody in this office. <laughs> and it's like, I, I so I, I don't, I just think it's tough. You know, he goes to Miami. That's going to be a hard, I think he's going to play this year because I, th- that team is, is in, that covered is bare, but it's going to be hard to have success. So yeah, it'll be interesting to watch what, what happens with him. Yeah, what about Jared Stidham? You worked with him and you raved, raved about his pro day at Auburn. And what was your reaction when he was taken in the fourth round and taken by the Patriots? Yeah. Um, I mean, I was jacked. So this is a guy that went to Baylor uh, and then went and ran Gus Malzahn's offense uh, at Auburn, which they had success in, but it doesn't translate to the NFL, you know, really seamlessly. Sure. Um, there's a lot of stuff that's very different about it. Now, I've been spending a lot of time with them since high school. Um, but when it was the Patriots, it was like, okay, this dude's going to get the best version of the best football I know what his learning capacity is. I know how much he cares. I know how hard he works. So now it just comes down to can we can he get exposed to it? And when he was there this off season, I may this may be a little off or whatever, but I think it was 31 years between Brady and uh, Hoyer, 31 years NFL experience, 27 in that offense. So you just think about him coming in and asking a question. Every answer is like. <laughs> from einstein sure right and so for him the ceiling got really high really quick when you're learning that way from some of the a a program that's that's you know arguably like the best at teaching football right because people come there and all of a sudden they're good and they leave and they're not as good as they were when they were there right right there's a there's a there's a uh, uh, pattern there so he could always spin it he's big enough fast enough strong enough he's one of those stephenville texas boys who's just been throwing footballs his whole life so for him to go and learn that there, um, he's confident, and he had one of the best preseasons in, of any quarterback this year. All right, so learn that there and take that someplace else and be one of those guys who's not as good when he leaves. Or, I mean, this is so soon to tell, and especially since Brady, 
says he wants to play until his mid-40s. I mean, could this guy be the heir apparent? Could this guy stay, grind this out? Could he be the heir apparent to the guy? I mean, he's in position A. I think, yeah, I think he's got he's to prove that he can continue to learn at this pace. And, uh, and he's got to play well when he gets in there this year. You know, they're going to have a blowout or two. They're going to, you know, beat the brakes off of somebody. He'll get in there. And if Brady does get hurt, you know, then there's that whole thing. And that's how Brady became Tom Brady. You know, Mr. Drew Bledsoe got hurt. That's how Tony Romo became Tony Romo. Mm-hmm. Drew Bledsoe got hurt. Um, so <laughs> He's such a good dude, irony. too, right? Bledsoe, he is such a good dude. The best, yeah. Um, and so with Jarrett, yeah, I, I know he's super humble. And it's so crazy. I mean, he's, he's, Brady's like twice. These guys have been looking up to Brady. Look at the AFC East. Josh Rosen, Josh Allen, Sam Darnold. It's crazy. When I met Josh Allen, he had a Tom Brady jersey on his wall in the University of Wyoming. And now he's... Got to get to twice. How, how do you explain this? Like, Brady, do you see any of that slippage you talked about? And how do you explain this guy doing what he's still doing at that age, at that level? There's no explanation for it. Um, I don't, people can talk about, how, well, he has a good old line and he didn't get hit as much as he, yeah. No, he gets hit. He gets hit plenty hard. It's really difficult. It's physically demanding. No, it's, it is just as impressive as it has ever been to me. Uh, he does it with different guys. Um, you talk to, and I'll leave the teams out of it, but when you talk to some other key defensive players on teams and they go, man, he just calls everything out. He knows exactly what we're doing. Like across the board, it's, he's just playing like every, every, every cylinder is clicking, um, where the physical part is less relevant. And even just talking to Jarrett, I mean, he's like, dude, you would be shocked. Brady can freaking spin it and he's got a strong arm and he doesn't miss and, so physically, he's still just as sharp, but mentally, every year that goes by, he's seeing another way to beat you. Hmm. So let me finally ask you this. I mean, this is like a master class right here. You, you're starting the next phase of your life. That business side is done. You love what you do. You're really good at what you do. Any aspirations of coaching in that league at a really high level? Any aspirations of going into a front office and trying to run that? Um, Where do you go from here? Yeah, no. I So I, I've had some opportunities to, to pursue that stuff. And um I live in Dana Point. I'm not moving. Um, I'm undefeated as a coach. So when when things go really bad for my guys, I it's a it's an opportunity for me to be really helpful and, and help these guys. It may sound cheesy. I mean, I, I get that, but um, but I I really like I, I care more about and I have more fun developing individuals at quarterback than I do any other thing in football. So for where I'm at right now, two little kids at home, all that like this is what I'm doing, and I built a business out of it. Um, and I love pouring into these guys. And, and for me, a famous NFL guy is not necessarily more fun to coach than like the ninth grader at Servite. Seriously. Yeah. Yeah. Because it, it's about helping these guys reach their potential. Um, there's things that are more fun, right. Uh, about it. Like I'm this weekend, I'm calling Baylor on Saturday night and, uh, then I'm flying to Jets Bills week one in New York city. Can't wait. MetLife. Two that, guys okay. are duking it out. I, I've That's going to be a blast. I've always thought that you were underutilized as a media person, but now I know why, because of the schedule you had, but now you can commit more time to that. How do you like the media work? I like it. I think what I'm doing is I'm going to, I'm calling games. I'm doing Skype hits. I'm sitting here. I'm doing a bunch of stuff and see really two things. you know, what, what get really good at and what can I stay really passionate about? Um, media is different than football because you can do it for the rest of your life if you're good at it. Um, so I don't actually have a goal. I'm just trying to do a bunch of things and we'll see kind of what I'm called to. 
Jordan, I really appreciate it. That, that was well beyond the call of duty. You spent a lot of time here. I know you're busy. Congratulations on what you accomplished. I know you're getting ready for the next phase of your life. And I do know Dana Point. I know why you're not leaving. Mm-hmm. That is it. You set that thing up very, very well. Mm-hmm. You can see me uh, skateboarding around on my boosted electric skateboard, <laughs> pulling my, my boys in the veer wagon and, uh, and grabbing coffee. Dude, what was Any it like morning? seeing LeBron and Steph Curry rocking and repping your rings? Uh, that was a trip. I mean, those were, those were a bunch of dudes chest bumping going nuts and um also manufactured a little bit but yeah we see it all over the place it's really cool yeah kalo has been the mainstay there's a bunch of knockoffs now but kalo has been a brand that's been around for a couple years now and uh it's been cool good on you man i appreciate you so much thank, thank you very much yeah question of the day you ever wonder where your family comes from I can answer that. Yes, we all do. We all wonder about that. Well, now you can discover more about them and learn about your own story by combining the Ancestry DNA test with billions of historical family records. Now, this really is an amazing process. Ancestry DNA gives you so much more than just the places you're from. Ancestry connects you to the places in the world where your story started. And they're able to do so by using precise geographic detail and clear-cut historical insights. You can even trace your ancestors' journeys over time, following how and why your family moved from place to place. And to amplify your results, you can start a free trial on Ancestry and build a tree so your ancestors become more than just a name. They've combined DNA results with over 100 million family trees and billions of records to give you more insight into your genealogy and origins. Only Ancestry can tell you such a rich story with unique features that give a more complete picture about a person, like events that shaped them, how they made a living, and what they excelled in. Ancestry's unique features and record collections can give a more complete picture of people from your past, like the events that shaped them, how they made a living, even how long they attended school. And it's so easy to get started. Here's what you do. Go to Ancestry.com slash podcast right now for 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Once again, Ancestry.com slash podcast and get 20% off your Ancestry DNA kit. Ancestry.com slash podcast. Do it right now. It is fascinating. You will love it. Big shout out to Jordan Palmer for taking the time and making the effort to be in studio for this episode of the pod. Appreciate that so much. Now, if you're looking for a season-long insight on the quarterback position in particular and the NFL overall, make sure you give Jordan a follow on Twitter. He's at JW Palms. Next week, David Goggins makes his triumphant return to the podcast, which I am absolutely hyped about. He literally, straight up, is one of the most compelling people I've ever met in my life. Now, instead of forcing yourself to remember that, just hit the subscribe button right now. That episode will automatically download right to your device. You're already here, so do it right now. Then you will never look for the pod. It will find you every single week. It is the best and easiest decision you're going to make all day long. So I'll see you right back here next week for David Goggins on Wednesday. But until then, here are your voicemails. First new message. Hey, Jim, what's up? This is David from Buffalo calling in here. Um, got a quick thought for your son now that he's at school in Wisconsin. Sure as heck he goes to Culver's, man. Best fast food place in the world. I'm sure he grew up, ate in and out a lot there in SoCal. But the bottom line is this, man. Culver's is kick-ass. The burgers are awesome. The fries are unbelievable. The ice cream, I mean, the soda fountains are, are clutch. Romy, 
I hope your kid, when he comes home, is 30 pounds heavier because of all the meals he ate at Culver's. Message deleted. Next message. Romy, Paul from Buffalo, New York, calling on behalf of Milkshake Nation. Two points. Number one, a true aficionado judges the quality of milkshake by its vanilla flavor. Number two, my son Zachary has the best point of all. It goes good. Vanilla milkshake goes good with a hot dog. Goes good? We're out. Message deleted. Next message. Oh, Jim. Can I make love to you? I'm so horny right now. Oh, Jim. Please. Please let me make love to you. I need you. Message deleted. You have no more messages.